Hello, and welcome to The Plants We Eat. This is the podcast where you find out about the history, science, and culture behind the plants that we use for food. My name is Jeff Gilman. I'm the director of the UNC Charlotte Botanical Gardens and a plant history enthusiast. And I'm Cindy Proctor, part-time instructor from Central Piedmont Community College in Charlotte and a garden coach and landscape professional. And today we're going to talk about something better than gold. Saffron. You got it. That's it. (laughs) Ounce per ounce, saffron is worth more than gold. I think more than platinum, more than just about anything that... um, It's pricey. It's it's really pricey. But you know, when you suggested this plant, I was excited because I love the plant that it comes from, which is a which is a corm or we uh, we'll call bulb, and uh, it's a it's a crocus, which is fun. It is know? fun, is it? So with so many of these spices that we talk about now, people have absolutely no idea what they come from or how they look in nature. Well. And that's okay. You know, you take that stuff for granted. It's okay. That's why you're listening to us. That's right. That's right. (laughs) When you see those plants pop up in January and February in your front yard, those little bulbs, and again, they're actually called a corm. There's a little bit of a difference, but yeah, it's okay. They're close enough. Those are crocus, and they're beautiful little flowers. But these crocus that saffron comes from are bloom in the fall, and I don't see them much here in the South at all. In fact, I didn't learn about them until I visited a particular garden up north. It's uh, near... You were, saying, you were saying Chanticleer. Yeah, yeah Chanticleer, which is a beautiful from... place. I learned uh, lots of different types of plants there that aren't in our palette here in the South. And... Well, well, crocus will grow right up. It's a zone five plant. Yes. It'll go right up through most of Pennsylvania. I think southern New York and coastal New York. So And they're not that are. expensive. They're just not that available. No, there it's a small a small flower. One of the things that really stand out in it are actually the very parts of the plants that you eat, the female parts, the stigma and style. That they call threads. That they call threads. <laughs> in fact, if if uh, you are wondering what part of the crocus you eat, first of all, know that you do not eat the corm itself. No. <laughs> like with an onion, you eat the bulb. That's not what you do with the crocus. You do not eat the corm. It's actually toxic. Mm-hmm. You eat the stigma and style, which is actually the female part of the plant. And as Cindy said, it is called the thread. And what's unusual is the flower itself of the saffron, where saffron comes from, is a purple color, mm-hmm. but the threads are red or orange. Right, red. And, uh, and pretty visible when they're blooming. I was, um, I shouldn't say I was amazed at the beauty because I've known this plant for most of my life, and I'll get to I'll get to the reason that I've known it for most of my life a little bit later. But I, when we were looking through this, I kind of rediscovered it, and it is truly a, a beautiful plant. And as a crocus, I mean, I think all crocus are, are lovely, but this particular one really is stunning, and it surprises me it's not used more. Well, the crocus that some of our listeners might be familiar with, the ones that bloom in the in January, February are much smaller mm-hmm. in size, the flower itself, in a globe shape. You know, the fall crocus or saffron comes from is a little larger and not so round. You know, open, it yeah. flares, the petals flare it's out. It's a little larger, it's a little mm-hmm. bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, it's not It's not what I call a huge flower. You're right, flower. you're right. Um, but it, it, you're, yeah, it's definitely bigger than your winter-blooming crocus. Now, it's worth pointing out that besides being called the saffron crocus, so the common name is the saffron crocus, this is sometimes also called the autumn crocus. Be very careful when you're buying crocus. If you buy the autumn crocus, that's a common name for another plant also. The autumn crocus, again, can be a different crocus, and that 
contains colchicine, which is actually a poison. So be very careful. Again, we like to stay away from scientific names here, but in this case, I'm going to give you the scientific name because it's very important if you buy this flower to buy the proper crocus that is not toxic, that would contain colchicine. Again, colchicine is actually a cell toxin. It's very, very toxic. You do not want that other autumn crocus, you want the saffron crocus, and the scientific name for that is crocus sativus, S-A-T-I-V-U-S. So make sure if you want to buy saffron crocus that you're getting crocus sativus. I'm glad you're you're kind of letting us use scientific names. I like to stay away from for the most I, part, I so I don't think that's the important part of what we're talking of about. Of course not. Of but when we're not. talking about safety, hey. You're the man. That's right. I've got to play around here. <laughs> <laughs> so the crocus is originally from uh, around Greece, and uh, right now Iran is the leading producer, actually producing over 90% of the world's saffron. We can also get saffron from Spain, Morocco, Greece, India. The United States actually produces a little bit. Supposedly, the best saffron is supposed to come from Spain, just because of their soils and their weather. With the other spices, we talked a lot about adulteration of the spices, and we're certainly going to talk about adulteration of saffron and how you can get all kinds of fake saffron. But one thing that that um, is commonly done is that certain spices which are grown in one region are sold as spices from another region, and that's true with Iranian and Spanish saffron. The Iranians will actually ship unprocessed saffron to Spain. It'll be packaged in Spain and then sold as Spanish saffron. So it's tough to spot, but it is something to look out for. Now, we're going to find a lot of situations where saffron isn't actually saffron. It's, it's actually something else. The important thing to remember with saffron is to always buy it as threads. If you buy it as threads, it's much more difficult to adulterate it. If you don't buy it as threads, if you buy it as ground saffron, all kinds of extra things can be added there. Uh, things like paprika, which we talked about in a previous show. Things like turmeric, which is basically a type of ground ginger stem. There are various things that, that can be added. Anyway, I want to come back for just a minute to where saffron is uh, commonly produced. And I mentioned Iran, Spain, etc. But in the United States, there is some saffron produced. You know, as I'm reading through this, I could, I could remember a lot of this stuff and I'd forgotten it for so long. The place that it's produced in the United States is primarily southeastern Pennsylvania, <laughs> Pennsylvania Dutch country. If you heard of Amish country, Pennsylvania Dutch overlaps that really well. There's actually a place called the Saffron Belt or the Yellow Belt in that area, which is really neat. And I remember going to school at Franklin Marshall College, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and I was brought up in Pottstown, which is just a little bit west of Philadelphia. And when we went to Pennsylvania Dutch areas, we would see a lot of dishes that were really, really yellow. And the reason that these dishes would be really, really yellow is because of the use of saffron in these dishes. Saffron has kind of a bitterish flavor. It's not really sweet. It's a little bit different, and, and it adds both color and an interesting flavor to a lot of these different things, and there's no better place to find it than in Pennsylvania Dutch country. Don't you think it's got kind of a Middle Eastern a Middle Eastern, F yes. Food well, it's flair a Middle Eastern, to it. It's a Middle Eastern it's spice. Middle Eastern yeah. spice, which mm -hmm. is also used quite a bit by Germans, which is the Pennsylvania Dutch brought it over when they when they came over, and they planted it very heavily, and you can still find it for sale there. Did you know that uh, it takes about a thousand flowers to make an ounce? A thousand? Yeah, I saw that. Yes. And I and we can get saw, to that in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's fine. Let's go that direction. Okay. I, I have... Um, 
I th- you know, this is one of those things. You find all kinds of different numbers. But the website that I found, um, or I shouldn't say website, it's actually from paper. The paper that I found um, most compelling said uh, between forty and 70,000 plants for a pound. Yes. And think to myself, wow, of course, a pound, depending on where the pound is produced and the quality of the pound, it can go for any place from $500 to $6,000, which brings me to the point that there are some different grades of saffron. And the different grades are very much based upon the part of the thread that is used for the saffron. So let me explain. The female part of the flower, or the top female part of the flower, includes the stigma and the style. The stigma is where the pollen lands, and the style is where the sperm actually proceeds down before it gets to the ovary. We're only talking about the stigma and style. We're not talking about the ovary here, so you can not worry about that. Uh, you can actually purchase saffron, which is just the the stigmas, just the top of the plant where the pollen lands. That's all red saffron, okay? All red saffron is going to be your highest grade of saffron. Then you can have the stigma and just a little bit of the style, and that could be called the thread. And then you can have the stigma and a lot of the style, and that would be grade three. And I've heard that called tied bunch, okay? So there are actually different grades of saffron. Now, the all red saffron again, is the highest grade. And it's the highest grade actually based on its quantity of three different components. And it's worth going through those real quickly. This is through the International Organization for Standardization, that's ISO, and the regulations are referred to as ISO 3632. So ISO 3632, what they're looking for is quantity of picrocrosin, which is the primary flavor component, crocin, which is the primary color component, and safranal, which is the primary aroma. And the higher all of these are, the higher the quality of the saffron. So all these different things, the flavor, the aroma, and the color have to be really high to get a really high quality saffron. So, so let's pause for a second. Okay. Somebody who who is going to differentiate between mm-hmm. a style and <laughs> stigma. Yes is serious yes. about their saffron. Yes. And, and and I'm gonna say I wouldn't be one of those. But that's how you get your difference between the five hundred dollar and the six thousand dollar per and pound see, saffron. I thought all this time that it was because you know the flower blooms for one day. Yes. <laughs> and they have to be hand-picked. They have and, to be hand-picked. And it's, it's not just, it, it, I think it's a little bit longer than one day. It's a short bloom time, but it's not it's not just well it's one week a year and the, but they have to get those threads yes, yes. one day. They have like the, yeah. There's a prime. There's a prime yes. picking time. Yes. And that that also affects the grade for sure. Um, <laughs> I know. It has to. It has to do with grade. It has to do with the, how difficult it is. I mean, it has to do with the fact that you have three of these female parts per flower, and you've got to get how many of them for a pound? You know, fifty thousand of these things <laughs> for a pound. Can you imagine? Females the people... are expensive everywhere you go. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I guess that's one way to look at it. Well, I just, I, I respect it. I, I just would like to taste the and difference. You, and you know, the, you know the crazy thing about this? You're picking that female part of the flower. You know something? The female part of the flower isn't even active. It can't even form any seeds. You're right. I read that too. These I was plants crazy. Are, <laughs> these plants are triploids. And if you're wondering what a triploid is, please go back to the banana episode where we talk about what a triploid is. Basically, this is a sterile plant. So it, from this sterile plant, we pick the female parts to eat. There are actually a lot of things that are substituted for saffron. One of the most interesting was safflower. Now, if you use safflower very much, it's a spice I have not used very much myself. I have on occasion, you know, but it's just not. 
it's not on the top of my list no, to sa- worry with. And safflower is basically a thistle. And you take what are essentially the petals, and they look something like saffron. See, when you look at the threads of saffron, if you know what saffron looks like, it's actually pretty clear because the stigma and the style have this very distinct shape. And if you know what you're looking for, it, it's pretty obvious mm-hmm. that this is saffron. But if you're not looking closely, and you take the petals of this thistle flower, it actually do, does look roughly similar, the, the safflower. Would you, would you agree? Yes, and I could see why it could be substituted. Right, and yeah. the flavor is uh, definitely different yet close enough that I could see trying it and saying, boy, this is lousy saffron. Well, it's an experienced palate, you know, and, and like I said, I don't know if I would be experienced enough to know the difference between the grades. And maybe, like you said, even kind of question, oh, wow, I got some lousy, you know, saffron. (laughs) Right. Well, with the different grades, I mean, when I get saffron, I go to the store and I buy a reasonably priced saffron and end of story. I'm sure that I've never tried the really high-end stuff, although now I'm now I'm tempted. I really do want to. Well, you can go on Amazon and check it out, but how do you determine if that's a, if there's a good source? Well, to find out whether there's a good source is, is going to be difficult, but to actually check the saffron to see whether it's real saffron really isn't that difficult. That's fact, true. A dead, a dead giveaway, and the first thing is to check is price. If it's too cheap, it's, it's probably going to be something else. Right. If it's ground, look, it... it We'd love to be able to buy ground things, but the thing is, most of our ground saffron is either fake or else it's adulterated in some way. And this is unfortunate, but it's true. Uh, when you rub it between moist fingers, they should turn an orangish reddish color. Real saffron smells sweet, but it really doesn't taste sweet. So you have that sweet smell without having the sweet taste. And finally, if you take a, a style and put it into a little bit of water, it'll turn the water after after a few minutes, it'll change it, turn it yellow. Not red, not orange, it turns the water yellow. Now back to the smell, it has kind of a hay, a sweet hay, yes. or a hay smell to it. Yes, I would I would actually qualify it that way. Kind of a honey, honey hay? I don't know, that's kind of how I would. Yeah, hay is a sweet smell, I think. Yeah. Okay, I, I'm just thinking that honey and hay together are kind of how I would say that it smells, generally speaking. So if you're wondering, you know, we've gone through this uh, 50,000 know, 50, plants to produce a pound of saffron. If you're wondering how much saffron actually goes into a typical family meal, about 10 to 20 threads. So if you grew four or five crocus and you picked them at the right time, that would give you enough for a typical meal. It's kind of like we're, we're just talking about saffron, the spice I took for granted for so long. I know. I know. It's just there. Now all of a sudden you're thinking about right. it. It's like, what? Well, Just to point out some of the other things that have been used to look like saffron threads, I I found a whole list of them. But some of the most common ones include corn silk. Corn silk can be made to look like saffron threads. Uh, Coconut filaments. We mentioned safflower. And there are actually certain types of what they call a type of plastic, which dissolves in water. That has actually been used colored red and used to uh, appear like I wish people could see the look on my face. (laughs) It's, yeah, it's, it's, I, I don't know. It's, I, I thought it was fascinating. Now, mention the saffron in, uh, in Pennsylvania. Well, there's actually a place called Fork Restaurant Philadelphia. I actually checked this morning to see if this meal is still on the menu. I could not find this meal on the menu. But once upon a time at Fork Restaurant in Philadelphia, they had a, uh, a dish called Saffron's Revenge, which uh, features shredded local rabbit over saffron noodles. And I just thought that was hilarious because, you know, the rabbits are one of the major pests of the crocus and saffron got them back. <laughs> anyway, I just thought that was cute. That, was, that is cute. <laughs> Although some people may not like the idea of eating rabbit, but you're going to eat critters, 
rabbit I actually think is not too bad. So I got to tell you, crocus. This is a plant that I absolutely love, to be honest. And well, I, I, I recommend growing crocus, especially this one, since there's not much to look at in the fall. And it's easy to grow. You can plant it in the summertime. You can buy it, if not locally, easily through... Mail order. Through mail order. Dollar a bulb. You know, the again, the saffron crocus, we actually know the wild crocus it came from, which is you can also purchase. And by the way, it, it this developed originally in Greece. The original crocus, it doesn't have a common name, so I have to use the scientific. It's uh, Crocus cartwrightianus. There are only about 90 species of crocus. So if you look at Crocus cartwrightianus, it has these amazing looking stigmas too. I think just for the visuals, it's worth getting both of them for your garden. In fact, if anything, this cartwrightianus, I thought was more stunning in terms of the female appendages than than the crocus sativus. So I was all about that. Okay, I'm going to have to look that up now. That you've, got to, you've got to look it up. But yes, mail order is the way to go for your crocus uh, sativus. sativus. Now, when you plant crocus like this, is there anything in particular that you should worry about? And by the way, I have to point out that I, I spend a lot of time planting trees. I'm certainly reasonably good with perennials. I do almost nothing with bulbs. It's all about what part of the country you live in and your temperature and your how well-drained your soil is, you know, which is always probably a, a common denominator when we're dealing with any kinds of plants, the soil part is anyway. But, uh, you know, I tend to follow the rule of the size of the bulb is how deep I plant it. And that's here in the south. Further up north where the ground does freeze, you'll have to go a little deeper so the, the cold weather doesn't harm the bulb. I uh, like to make the soil the consistency of potting soil, you know, just because of that well-drained aspect is so important that those bulbs don't rot. That's the key. Is, and then sun. And that's, yeah. they do like they yeah. do like sun. And then you need to leave their foliage alone after they bloom so they can regenerate for the following year. We're talking about sun for crocus. In my limited experience, uh, they, they tend to like full sun, but they'll do okay in partial shade. I mean, truly partial shade. If they're heavily shaded, they won't do well. Is that, is that would you say, generally true? Mm, I like the full sun because that inspires growth and health and for future generations. But so do, if you have a partial sh sun location, would you try it? Four hours at least. Okay. Let's right. do it four hours. The other thing too is they will go dormant when you plant them in the summertime. Like they'll they'll foliate in the spring most likely, but then they'll go dormant and then the flower comes up in the fall. So that's fun. Sounds good. Yeah. So I hope everybody tries crocus. Definitely worth it. And hey, try this one. Why not? Once a year, you have a really good you know, chicken pot pie. Look up Pennsylvania Dutch chicken pot pie. It's a little different than they you are used really to. good. They are really good. You know, before we leave today, I think we should decide on uh, what we're going to talk about next week. What are you thinking? How about something strange? Something real. How about, uh, you know what I was had a hankering for? What's that? Capers. Capers? Yes. It's going to be capers next week. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you for listening to The Plants We Eat. This has been a production of the UNC Charlotte Botanical Gardens, along with the College of Liberal Arts and Sciences at UNC Charlotte and the Isle Group. We look forward to talking with you next week.